I'm Brandy. And I'm Tori. And we want to welcome you to Fiction Therapy, where real-life mental health professionals slash fantasy enthusiasts unpack, analyze, and fangirl about our favorite books. We dive deep into the characters, adventures, and romances that make them amazing reads. We hope you have as much fun listening as we do talking about them, and maybe see things from new perspectives. to discuss more ACMF. Yes! Okay. okay, so this is part two of our series on A Court of Mist and Fury. Yes. So um, we, in our last episode, we ended on Pharaoh returning to the Spring Court from one of her trips to the Night Court. Yes. Okay, so disclaimers real quick. If you're not new here and you've heard all these before, there's some timestamps in the show notes that you can skip ahead to the discussion. So, as we've said before, the podcast is designed for true fans of the books, and we discuss a lot of things. There's going to be spoilers. If you have not read this book, and you have not read all of the books in the the series, probably, there will be major spoilers. So, get out of here. Um, Content warnings. We're discussing the following topics in the episode. Trauma of various types, relationship abuse, sex, post-traumatic stress disorder, toxic romantic relationships, and lots more adult content. Um, And then lastly, these are our own personal thoughts and opinions. We know that there are a lot of varying opinions on SJM's characters and stories. So this is meant to be an open discussion between myself and Tori, and we know that a lot of people will have opposing opinions and different perspectives. So we don't expect you to to agree with everything that we say, and we actually kind of hope that um, something in the discussion spurs on deeper thought and maybe just more conversation with you and your peeps. Um, Yeah, that's all of our disclaimers. So let's just jump back in. You know, it, it was so hard to stop it the last episode. You just want to keep going and devouring it. and Oh, it's so, such good stuff. So she's back at the spring court. She's still not being trained. She's yep. still losing weight. She's still having nightmares. Not much has changed since we started the first episode. Yeah. and But she can read now. True. And Sweet Lucian does agree that she should be trained. That's yeah. one difference. He's like, hey, don't you think that we should be trained? But... Ianthe is like, hmm, should she? I, I don't, don't know. look good. Mm-hmm. You don't look good if we're training her. Oh, Ianthe, I hate you. <sighs> so then they get called to like a border to, you know, respond to a thing, and we know that it's Hybern. And she's like, hey, let me go with you yeah. um, to investigate some of the, like, the threat. And Tamlin is like, no, you're not coming. You cannot come. You have to stay here. He's not having it. There's like no negotiation mm-hmm. on this time. Sometimes he'll be like, oh, about it and then no this is like one of those times absolutely not not gonna happen and she's like looking at lucian and lucian is like like i'm sorry like maybe it is better for you to stay i'll talk to him yeah see what we can do but yeah she tries to walk out the door and she hits like a shield he he takes his they call it hard air i think hardened air yeah and traps her in the house with it Mm -hmm. she can't get out the windows she can't get out the doors, but she can see people coming and going, so yeah, it's just other her. Uh-huh, other just people. her. Oh, poor Feyre. So she starts flipping out, and all of her powers are, like, coming out, and she's kind of in this, like, tornado of her own Full powers. panic attack. Yeah. Full panic attack with fantastical powers on top of it. Absolutely. She is really, like, flipping out, and 
She even like melts off her own engagement ring. Yeah. Like that's how hot the fire that she's using is. And she actually, it says, I don't know if it says it at the time, but I know later in the book, she cocoons herself in night. Mm. So no one could see her. All mm. anyone saw was this swirling pit of darkness covering her. Can you imagine being one of the servants and looking over and being like, yikes, like, what is Oh, wrong? a black hole just opened up in the manor. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, guess who shows up? Ah, which we know at this point, I don't think we discussed it in the last episode, but we know at this point Reese can feel her feelings yes. through this bargain, through the bond. That's how he knows she's been having so many attacks and traumatic memories yeah. and nightmares and like not doing well. So, you know, I talked about in the first episode when it came time for the wedding... We picture Reese banging on all the doors at the night court. Come on, we gotta leave, we gotta leave. You know, I feel like this is happening again. Like, Fair's having a panic attack. We gotta get there, we gotta comfort her. Yeah. So he sends in more to get her because obviously he can't get her because yeah. Tamlin could absolutely declare war on him. Yeah, that would be a big no no. So he tries to, like, kind of get a loophole in and more comes to get her. And I feel like. I think it is said, like, Alice is like, take her. Alice yeah. is like throwing stuff in a bag, being like, you need to get her out of here. Well, Alice is the one quietly in the background having to take in all her dresses and make her clothes smaller because mm -hmm. she keeps losing weight and watching her not eat the food that right. she's cooking and wither away to nothing. So Alice is, you know, take her. Maybe you can do something with her. Yeah, she needs help. And so more like, picks Feyre up and gets her out. And so... I think she begins to panic because she sees that they're going towards a mountain, like a similar entrance to oh, yeah. under the mountain. And the the only thing that she keeps like repeating to Farah, it's not you're safe or I got you. Like don't worry, it's I'm just gonna protect you. You're free. You're free. She keeps saying that over oh, and over again. You're free. I love you're it. Free. You're free. And I'm like, this is what she needed. This she needed is absolutely to get her away. Because if you think about it. And I don't know, maybe this is a stretch, but even under the mountain, when all this bad stuff was going on, at the time, Reese had said, you know, I'm going to protect you. We've got this bargain. So she was protected. But that didn't save her from going through all these terrible things and having to, you know, kill these fairies. And even though she was protected, so I have to wonder if that bleeds over a little bit, that technically she was protected under the mountain, but... But she it, was not yeah. free. She was a prisoner. Yes. And then she became a prisoner in her own home, essentially. Yeah. In her relationship. She traded one prison cell for another. Yeah. A much less scary one, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> much more cushy. A lot of, you know, good things. Like, a, a decent relationship. With, but a prison's like a, a loving, prison? Yeah, a loving relationship. So it looked a lot different to her. Like, mm -hmm. this is nothing like Under the Mountain. But she was probably getting some... Under the mountain vibes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Reese takes her. Well, we know more takes her and gives her over to Reese. Mm. And he takes her to the Moonstone Palace. And she wakes up. And he's there. Mm -hmm. Of course. Of he's course. Been he's been sitting there. in a chair all night beside her bed. And she's like looking at him. And she's like, he looks like his neck's real stiff. And maybe he's been sitting there. Because he has Duh. the whole night Duh, watching Pedro. you. Mm hmm. <sighs> So then he, like, pretty quickly that morning, he's like, hey, like, I got to go somewhere, and so I just want you to stay here and rest, and she's like, take me with you. Yeah. And he's like, well, 
listen, if I take you here, like, this is a moment where you have to decide you're not going to share this with anybody. Yeah. Like, you would have to commit to keeping this secret from everyone at the Supreme Court. Like, if you come, you have to, like, be on my side in this way. Yes. Like, if you go back, and he does say, if you ever go back, Mm -hmm. you can never share this. Yep. That's a huge moment of trust for them. Yes. She, um, or Reese actually, I feel, is taking a big step for himself, too, because he's done a lot. I mean, he's oh, yeah. he's done a lot. I mean, that's a pretty small way of saying it, to keep this city secret, and yet he's, you know, opening it up to Pharaoh when yeah. he's, she hasn't declared to be on their side or training with them or any of that. He has no reason to believe that she will stay true to her word beyond her character, mm-hmm. which he's, he's just not saying that much of. Tr- choosing to trust her. Yeah. Yeah. So she says she can do it, mm-hmm. and he takes her to Valaris. a townhouse. Yes, in Valaris, the city of Starlight. And the first thing she notices is that I think they winnow to the, um, like the foyer mm-hmm. of the townhouse. By the way, I really want a townhouse. I love a townhouse. I lived in a townhouse. It was not like this townhouse. I just want to say that. <laughs> this one, to me, the way she describes it, feels like a really old, like, Brooklyn townhouse. Oh, just cozy. You know, like, just with all cozy. the dark wood and the staircase right away. Yeah. And the, the jewel tones. Yes. Warm furnishings. Oh, old Persian it. rugs. Like, it's yeah. just cozy. I just want to go there and curl up and read a book with a cup of tea mm-hmm. and a pastry <laughs> and a pastry for sure but she goes and, and she's listening and she's in this foyer and she hears children laughing in the street those children sjm always start <laughs> the children in the streets Ah, uh, i just and you're just like what this is the night court yeah and she actually has a pretty angry response after, oh yeah you know after essentially he explains like this is Valaris, it's been protected, and nobody, you know, knows about Amarantha, essentially, and Amarantha definitely doesn't know about Valaris, and she's like, you're serious? Like, this one city, mm-hmm. only that you chose to protect this one place, and she's she has this, like, righteous anger happening. Well, and I kind of understand it. I know there's a lot of controversy on this anger and a lot of anger in the book, but from, you know, the point of view of someone who's pretty much given every part of themselves to help this situation and even earlier in her life to protect her family, to sustain her family. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this city that you could have opened. Mm-hmm. And obviously, obviously, I totally understand why he didn't. And later in the book, I think everyone understands why he didn't and that it was the best choice. But in that moment, I can totally understand where she's coming from. Oh, yeah. I definitely see her point of view, too. Yeah. For but sure. she gets past it. When she, you know, finds out more about how Reese protected it, what he traded to protect it. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. So, she's at the townhouse. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you can leave whatever time you want. If you, you want to go shopping, you can go shopping. Yes. The city's safe. Yes. The city is safe for sure. And But he also tells her, like, it's warded. The only people who can winnow in are me and more, yeah. but you're welcome to leave anytime. Nobody else can just walk through the door and nobody else can winnow in. So here's a safe haven. If you want to leave it, you surely can. Yes. He's like, if you want to go 
go do whatever you want. You need some money? You want to go shopping? I need some money. You know. <laughs> Again, I just love bathtub, that. pastries, <laughs> sleep, shopping reading, money, shopping money. Um, this is where we get a glimpse oh. of Cass and Azriel for the first time. Oh my too. goodness! Because they're favorite, like outside the door, knocking on the door, like trying to find Reese. And he's, I remember him saying, like, "There's two big dudes, like, who really want to meet you. You know, like, do you want to yeah. meet them or do you want to like take a nap?" And she's like, oh, "I'm gonna take a nap." Yes. So we're like, "Wah wah!" But good for her; she gets to go sleep. I I I try to when we're we're going through these podcasts, I try to think back to the first time I read it, and. I really think during this moment, I was almost with Feyre. I was like, I don't want to meet these people. <laughs> right. Like, They're, this is just a lot. They seem quite intimidating. Yeah. Like, these They're, massive... like, banging on the door, yelling. There's definitely some curse words oh, in yeah, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cass is like, get out here, and I'm going to whoop your butt. Yeah, and you don't know at this point the relationship they all have. Yeah. So you're just thinking, ooh, this is, ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we were so wrong. We were. So wrong. So she takes a nap. Nuala and Caridwin are there. I, yes. I just love Nuala and Caridwin. And they, I think she gets to put on some more of those nice comfy clothes, mm-hmm. which is nice. And then the next day they explore the town. Um, he like shows her around Belarus and he's like, okay, tonight we're going to have dinner with my family. And he kind of like tells her that she gets to meet them and that these are the people that she'd be working with and stuff. So she kind of like gets real dressed up. Oh yeah, yeah. That like she asks them to do her hair, and she puts on this like really amazing dress, evening gown. Yeah, like it's Miss America. It's intense. And then he is like, "Okay, we gotta fly up there," and she's like, "I'm gonna mess up my hair. You can't like." Well, I think that was more along the lines of, I refuse to fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the excuse. This is the excuse I can come up with. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. They have this really cozy, like, moment where he, like, kind of snuggles into her and, like, wraps his wings around her. I love it. And then, like, I think there's a moment where she kind of gets panicked because, you know, she's claustrophobic she's and he, like, in. you know, whips his wings back and is like, you're okay, like, we're just going to fly. It's going to be okay. And so, of course, they get to, like, snuggle together oh. while he's flying her. And then they have this great conversation where he's like, I'm going to tell you three things, and then you tell me three things. Yes. I love that. I, I love, And they do that through the whole series, like a thought for a thought kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just so precious. So. His thoughts are like, I'm so happy to be back here. Yeah. Like, I can't believe everything is okay. And then I think she just kind of spills, and she ends up saying five things. Um, and I know that one of the things she says is like, I can't believe I was so lonely and sad, and I think I just fell in love with the first thing that gave me safety and warmth. Yes. Um, and another one she said is like, I can't believe I allowed him to show me so little of the spring court. You know, because yeah. like, at this point she's seen more of the night court than she's ever seen of the spring court. Um, and she's kind of realizing human Feyre went with Tamlin. Yes. But she has grown into Faye Fabra. Mm-hmm. And Faye Fabra. Faye Faye. And it's, you know, it's it's a different, anytime you go through trauma, you're growing. Yeah. You know, it, it's growing pains, but you come out on the other side a little different. Absolutely. That's, you always do that. In any, not even trauma, just in big moments of life that. Yeah, experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you're always growing, and it's so important to find someone that gives you that space 
to grow. To and grow Tamlin and just was not at that capacity to give her that space. Mm-hmm. He wasn't acknowledging his own change or experience, so you know he wasn't allowing her to to change and grow. Um, and so that's another one of her things is she's like, I think I'm realizing that Tamlin and I worked before I became Faye. Yeah. And she, she says two more, and he ends up being like, oh, you said five things. Like, I guess I owe yeah. you a couple of thoughts. But Cassian and Azriel are, like, standing there with goofy grins on their faces waiting to meet them. Them. Okay. I have to think, you know, and I, I, I love memes. I send you memes all the time. Yes. I love memes that to do with this book. But I have to just think they were just sitting there, and they're like, new mama. <laughs> So I knew mama. <laughs> and I read a lot about that and stuff and like funny things. But y- you know, they're like, okay, this girl is, Reese is obviously in love with this girl. Yes. And, well, more knows. Yeah, more does later. And Amryn pretty much knows. Yes. Well, Amryn finds out at the table. Do you remember that? Like, in, like it's about to happen. She like smells or something. Somehow she figures it out and she looks at Reese and Reese nods. <gasps> do you know? Do you remember I remember that, that, but I never knew it was in. Oh, yes. Never so, knew it was in regards so to that. More knows because when when Reese winnowed away from Feyre right after the mountain, he oh, like yeah. stumbles back to the townhouse. And just like is screaming at Moore, she's my mate. And so he has this whole thing with Moore. So Moore knows, Amron finds out, but I think the guys probably just see her. I don't know if they know, but they're they definitely know. like, this is they our know. new, this is our new mom. New mom. <laughs> um, and so then you meet, we've met Moore, you meet Cassian, you meet Azrael, and you meet Amron. And I think I was on board with everyone automatically. Like Azrael's ador- Azrael's adorable. You know, he's just kind of mysterious, adorable. Cassian's just my sweetheart. I love him so much. And then, you know, we already love more. And then you have Amarin, and you're just kind of like, what is this? Mm. I think the the moment where Reese must be explaining them to Farah, and he says, like, Amarin is really scary, or something to the effect of that. And that's when she has this passing suicidal like thought, where she's like, you know, wouldn't it be better if she just kind of ate me? <laughs> and it's kind of funny, you know. But then he he hears it because she's it's just a thought. She doesn't say it out loud. And that's when he shakes her. It's yeah, like, he grabs her chin. He's yeah, like, no, ma'am, don't you know? ever think that. And so that's what I referred to last episode. It's right before she meets these people. So. It's kind of a reminder of, like, even though she's in this happy place and exciting things are happening, like, she's still there. Yeah. She's still in this depressive place and not doing good. And that's when she actually, I think in this burst of, of like, emotions, she accidentally slips into Reese's POV, for a point of view, yeah. and sees herself. And she's like, oh, God. Like, I don't it's look bad. good. Like, it, it describes her dark circles and gaunt like cheekbones and painfully thin yeah super painfully thin just sick you know like she looks ill and she's like man and then reese is like how did you get past however many hundreds of years of mental shields i've been building this is crazy (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's like oh she's very powerful (laughs) um yeah so all that happened before and now we're at the dinner table but this is where we get a lot of backstories on like cassian he tells his story and we hear as is and so like as was really really 
traumatized and physically beat and like chained up and burned by his brothers and like he has a very traumatic story and Cassian was pretty much just thrown out on the streets after a lot of and his mom was like tortured and killed and yes and Reese's mom took them all in Mm -hmm. and absolutely like was the turning point and obviously Cassian and Azriel's life but yeah also in teaching Reese what it means to be a good high lord and not just be like his dad Mm. who is kind of described as like a turd yeah and then Moore's story is like super traumatic you don't find out about that till way later though yeah I think she kind of like is like we'll talk about that later yeah Uh but there is from Feyre's point of view, like, she picks up tension with oh, yeah. Moore and Cassian and Azrael. And Azrael. And she's like, what is going on with like, all this? Is she with him? Are they together? Is is he with her? Who's together here? Are they together? <laughs> like, And then we find out that Moore and Amran are Reese's, like, second and third in command. Yes! How amazing that feminist resand yes. all over again. And so Cass- Cassian's his general and Azrael is his spy master, but his second in command and third in command are these amazing, powerful women. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. So then they get to talking about, you know, strategy and war yeah. and stuff, and she decides that she's going to work with them. Like, she decides at the dinner like, table. Like, announces it at the dinner table, like, hey, okay, I agree to work with you. And they're all like, what? <laughs> this was an interview? <laughs> we wouldn't have said these things. <laughs> um, and that's when he goes into, I think the chapter literally ends with, good, because we're going to war with Hybern. And you're like, what? Yeah. What? Way to keep that one on the DL. Ugh. So they discuss some more. They drink a lot of wine. Mm-hmm. When they're not eating pastries, they're drinking wine and eating good food. Also, Amran's in a really amazing red ball gown. So Farah feels at least a little bit. At That's home. more. Oh. Amran's in the pajamas. Did I say Amran? Yeah. Oh my god, sorry. No, she, it's okay. It, more is like decked out in like this yes. beautiful, sexy red dress, and she's like, "Oh well, that it, at least one person." Yeah. <laughs> well, I think like Reese is wearing a suit, like his black on black, and Farah's wearing her fancy dress. Moore's mm. um, wearing her fancy dress. Amran's are... like wearing the night court PJs, kind of high waisted pants and top, but she's always in gray. Oh yeah, and then the and guys always are jewels. Just... Oh, yeah. She's like a dragon. And the guys are just like in their leathers. Yeah. Super cute. I love it. I love how everybody just gets to wear their own thing. They all sit at this table together. They're not like far away from each other. Mm -hmm. Very cozy. Yes. So anyways, they decide that they got to go see the bone carver because they need some answers. So. And the bone carver is like. This ancient god. Older than earth itself. Super scary. He's in a prison. The same prison that Amran came from. And Reese decides he wants to take Farah as kind of like a training exercise. And the first time they try to go there, she kind of has a panic attack. Yeah, she can't do and it. They gotta go home. And then Amran brings her like a junk piece of jewelry, and she's like, "Here, wear she's, this necklace. She like, cannot keep you." Yes, she said, "This is the only thing that got me out of the mountain, and you will be able to walk out if you have this with you." And it turns out that it's like completely fake. It's yeah. A, a placebo effect and she's like oh keep it dear like it has no meaning at all and Reese she's is like, like oh. I gave that to her last Christmas <laughs> it's so funny um mm. but she does get there and well the night before she has a nightmare oh 
she has a nightmare the night before the second attempt. And remember, Reese comes in and like there's darkness swirling around, and he's oh, like waking her up. That. He's like, Vera, Vera, wake up. And yeah. like as soon as she wakes up, she has to go to the toilet, and, but he like holds her hair back and Aww. strokes her back, and they talk so it. Sweet. They talk through it, and and like you know he's shirtless, so we get a, kind of a peek of like nights like sexy nighttime Reese and all of oh, that. Oh yeah, so it's a really sweet moment. And Sarah like, J. Moss is very. She's always gonna let you know when Reese is shirtless. Well, anybody. Any. Well, Anybody's. yeah, true. Um, <laughs> but it's just like. Oh yeah, we obviously needed this detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, the next day, she, they do go back to the bone carver. Yes. After she has this nightmare, and she feels better about it, and he kind of instructs her. He's like, you know, the bone carver appears to everyone differently. Mm-hmm. So what you see is not what I'm gonna see, and we're gonna we're gonna trade like secrets, kind of deal. We're gonna mm-hmm. give him secrets, and he's gonna give us secrets, and yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. So, to Reese, he appears as Jurian mm-hmm. from the first book. Which is pretty surprising to the readers because we don't know yeah. anything, you know, so we're just like, Jurian? Yeah, like, it's kind of, it feels really random. When you do a connected? reread, you're like, ooh. <laughs> but then to Feyre, he appears as this unknown young child with... Small boy. Small boy with black hair and violet eyes. Um... Or was it blue? Is it? I don't even know. So How it, the same description of Reese's eyes. Okay, so color. it would be violet. I think it's violet. And then like a wide set mouth and all these, you know, just... It's their kid! Even I, reading it for the first time, I was like, that's their kid, no, right? I didn't. Oh, I didn't. I guessed it. I don't know Oh, I didn't you're know so it. smart. I'm not. I was, like, I was like, yeah, that's obviously uh, their child. I did not know that. I was like, who is this random kid? Um, Which is kind of creepy. Yeah. Know, like a little boy. But then when they reveal it later, I was like, I- I'm a very... Reading is very relaxing, but it's not very relaxing. Like, I, I'm an emoter. Like, mm-hmm. I will shout out loud at a point, and, which is why I don't read in public. But I remember reading that, and I was like, oh, it's their child! You know, it's just, oh. oh. man. So the carver confirms that, you know, through their talking and stuff, um, he confirms that Jurian is going to be reborn using that eye that was in Amarantha's like, ring or necklace. I think it was ring. Yes, and it was a ring. The king and of finger bone. Oh, yeah. The finger bone is around her neck. Um, the king of Hybern is, he's collecting the magical cauldron and it's missing feet and the book of breathings because he needs all of these elements to like bring Jurian back to life. And with the cauldron, they're going to try to shatter the wall that separates the mortal lands from Fae. Mm. And like, that's you, a big no-no for Feyre because like family. If you have no clue what we're talking about, you probably should just do a reread because mm-hmm. we could spend way too much time going over all of the logistics of that. Yeah. But, but essentially he's like, there's a cauldron, there's feet, there's a yes. book, and it was ripped in two, and the mortal queens have one half of it, yes. and the High Lord of Summer has the other. And um, that is the only thing that can nullify the powers of the cauldron. So, like, obviously, you, you need to get the book. Yeah. And he asks Feyre about um, death. Yeah. He asks her about death, like he's what's on the other death. side, mm-hmm. because he's lived all these thousands of years and has obviously never died. Mm-hmm. And so she talks about that a little bit, 
When I love when he asks Reese for a secret that no one knows. I feel like we all like geared up and tightened up. We're like, okay, what is night it? court secret? Mm. Like what happened in the war? Like this is gonna be intense. And then Reese is like, my knee twinges when it rains because of an old injury. And oh you're like, God. okay, Grandma. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> that barometric pressure will get you. Oh, yeah. But I just remember that being so funny. I felt like I really did get ready for, like, a deep, <laughs> a deep secret. And it was that. Well, then Farah really goes into descriptives about her experience of death. And she describes, oh like, how she heard her own neck snap. Oh, um, and then, like, the feeling of their bond was the only thing that brought her back home. Oh. Like, the word home. But she was totally okay with going. Like, yeah. And that was and so, so, so sad. And I remember reading that, and I think Reese, like, looks at her with pain in yeah. his eyes or Devastated. something like that. Yeah. But she's like, yeah, I was prepared. I was going to kill myself. And, and Amarantha didn't do it. Yes, and she said she was going to put it in her own heart or whatever, and that she only realized that she wanted to live, like, after she died. Mm. But, that you know, since she did realize, like, oh, I want to live, she kind of followed that bond, which we know is the mating bond. But it was, like, their little bargain bond. Um, Yeah, it's probably a little both. Probably a little both. Yeah, he's like, we made a bargain. You're not leaving me. Yeah, really. So that's all the info that we get, which is, it's really juicy stuff. So essentially when they get back, um, they're like, all right, now our mission is to get this book. Well, the last thing they tell, they say Mm -hmm. that the bone carver says is you might can detect it because you were made. Yes. You know, not, not necessarily by the cauldron, but by you, you became, you were human made into Fae because the book was made. You might can. Well, also she has all the powers from the High Lord, so she can detect items that belong to the high lords yes so it's kind of like their essence are on the item so So, reese is like oh i can test this theory what better way to test it than have this girl find her future engagement ring yes because monster because my mother gave this engagement ring which is a family heirloom to this crazy weaver lady who is like siblings with the bone carver she's also yeah. an ancient god who straight up eats people yes and weaves their hair into that story thing Very i want scary to know woman. i want to know what reese did in his childhood <laughs> to I, I know I've, re- I've read about that but I, it's true what did reese do for his mother to think i probably should make this ring inaccessible for him right Maybe he, like, I kind of imagine him, maybe he was a player, and, like, every woman yeah. he dated, he was like, oh, this is the one. And it's oh, this no. girl who's, like, not worthy in her family's, in his family's eyes. So she was like, okay, any girl who's, like, worthy of marrying my Reese needs to be able to go and retrieve this ring. Because if she can't retrieve the ring, she's probably not going to survive. Right. That's a good point. So, you know. So then he's like, okay, another training. Um, I love that he also doesn't really quite prepare her he's just no, like he doesn't even tell her what the item is yeah he's like go in there and find it um and he's like she, be real quiet yeah she will detect you he does say that she's like a god but he doesn't go into detail of just how scary and dangerous she is and then he's like okay i'm gonna wait in this tree yeah he just like leaves her but then he did yeah he disappears and i oh this this scene was so descriptive like i almost felt like the first time i read it i gagged a little bit mm-hmm. because you know it talks about like 
the fire and the burning hair and it was stuck all over her. Well, okay, here's how the hair got stuck though. She escapes through the chimney, which is, you know, the way that the smoke escapes from where she boils people. And yeah, so there's fat, like fat and lining the and chimney. Ugh. And so she gets through the chimney and it's covered in fat and then she has to like roll down the roof and gets covered in Oh, it's hair. disgusting. It's disgusting. Oh. And she has a panic attack, understandably. Um, but mm. she comes out of it. Yep. She this this is like the first time we see her have this panic attack and stop and say, "Okay, no, I'm doing this." I did it. And, and she did it. She did it by herself. Mm-hmm. Reese did not intervene. Nope, which I think is really really cool. And so then she gets out and he it shows up finally, and you're like, mm-hmm. where have you been? Yeah, she's like, I was going to die. Where were yeah. you? Yeah. And oh. I was like, you had it. You're all good. <laughs> it's, oh. Yeah. So then they have to start their search for the books. Well, and you know, you, you just said um, you didn't feel like he prepared her. Now that I'm thinking back, he didn't. He was flirting with her the whole time going up to the weaver. Yeah. He was flirting with her to like, instead of prepping her. Well, I also think that he was kind of like distracting, distracting her, her. But still. Calming her down. I'm like, this is one of those moments. I'm like, Reese, we could have we handled this a lot better. Like, the flirting's important. Don't get me wrong. Right. Love we the tension. That. And the readers did. But we could have. We could have prepared her. Could have talked about like what to expect yeah. or maybe what skills she might need yeah, in the moment. Yeah. Or what yeah. you're looking for. But anyway, that's... Whew. Yeah, well then he's like, um, do you want to be my emissary to the human lands? Um, and I kind of giggled at that because it was like, essentially I need you to be my emissary because we need to... We need to use those sisters' house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, now that you're emissary two seconds ago, yeah. how about we use their house to have oh, that yeah, meeting that yeah. we need to have? So I just thought that Haven't was been thinking of that all day or anything. Convenient. But so they do visit the mortal land. Ooh. And this is kind of where we meet the sisters in in a more in more depth because yeah. we only know about them from the first couple chapters. And she has this like initial sit down where Reese and Cass and Asriel are like outside somewhere and mm-hmm. sh- they're just trying to acclimate to the fact that their sister is high fae. Yeah. So she's sitting across there and they like have tea and it's really awkward. Yes. Where they're like... Well, and Elaine's wearing her iron engagement ring mm-hmm. to her fiance who hates the fae. Mm-hmm. Fun stuff there. And I love how she talks about she's glad she left the guys outside because they were just too big for the room. And they just, like, suck out the air (laughs) from the room. Yeah. Can you imagine them standing in the corner being like... With a little teacup. You know, Cassian (laughs) with a teacup. Trying to talk and they're just, like, clattering their little teacup on the Yeah, but I picture Azriel being, like, perfect at it. Yeah. Like, he... Like, everybody else is struggling and they're little... And Cassian's just... Or Azriel's just sitting there. You know, just... Very quiet. I feel like um, Cassian's kind of a, a bull in a china shop. And oh, yeah. And Asriel's very, like, slinky and quiet, you know. And Cassian yes. would be like, do you have any sugar? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and Asriel's like, shut up. Yes. Oh, none of that. Or Asriel's like, I found some earlier. Yeah. Here's the sugar. Be quiet. You know, don't interrupt them. Oh, so funny. Like, Reese, can I have some sugar? <laughs> I love it. Oh. So, they're terrified. Elaine eventually warms and you know she has some moments where she's glancing at Asriel and then Nesta has a you know poor attitude less than welcoming also she's 
still pretty angry. Like, yeah, she's about... like, I'm just gonna sit and glare at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's less than welcoming, but they eventually agree to help. But this is where Nesta and Cassian make eyes. At, oh, like Nesta and Cassian. Do you think that you know? Obviously, big spoilers. We've said it five hundred times. This is your chance to leave. Do you think Cassian knew? Yes. Right here. Yes. I'm going to tell you why. Why? Because Reese knew, he kind of knew, when Pharaoh was human. And he talks about he felt it. It didn't snap into place, but Mm -hmm. he felt it. Mm -hmm. And also, it talks about later in A Court of Mist and Fury, I just read this the other night, that there's all he's always looking at Nesta. Anytime Nesta says anything or Nest like when mm-hmm. she's put in the cauldron and she screams, he, he can't help it. Mm-hmm. Like he just turns toward it. Even when he was like unconscious at Highburn with his rings shred- with his wings shredded. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. You know, even then he like stirred at, into consciousness and he was like, Nesta. Mm-hmm. That's just it's not a very normal. Deep bond. Yeah. I remember thinking like I didn't, obviously, I didn't know that there were mates at all, but I was no. like, obviously, he likes this girl. Oh, yeah. Because there was vibes, right? There was tension. Oh, yeah. Like, I was like, oh, there was get some vibes. Out. I don't there know were. if it was good vibes at first, <laughs> but there were definitely some vibes. And then they're all sitting having dinner together. Yes. And Farah, like, tries the food and she's like, oh, this is nasty. Mm hmm. And she can't help but, like, cringe a little bit. And Nesta's like, you're too good for us. You know what I mean? They have that discussion. Um, Yep. And then, like, basically what they do while they're there is they, like, Nesta and Elaine agree to donate their house for the meeting. And they write letters and send those off. But there is a moment, like, I think they stay two nights. And so they do. The day between the nights is when Reese and... Feyre kind of sneak off to do some training. Well, let's not glaze over the fact that Reese is like, uh, we need two bedrooms, one for Cassian and Azriel, and one for me and Feyre. <laughs> You're like, what? What? I can't, I didn't remember that. Oh, Who's, yeah. Do they sleep in the same bed? No. He, like, conjures oh, yes. a little twin bed That's in right. front of the door. He was like, don't worry about it. And when they got in the room, he just, like, snapped and there was another bed that yeah. appeared. Because Elaine was like, um, well, the bedroom without, with the two beds is not yeah. over here. And he was like, don't worry about it. Yeah, we it's got fine. It. <laughs> yeah. Magic. Magic. But, yeah, I will never forget that he, like, snaps and there's, like, this teeny tiny bed that pops up. Wanted that one bed from real bad right there. You know the share a bed trope, yes. the whole fantasy romance. I love that. Um, so they go out <laughs> to they go out to practice, and this is where he tells Feyre like, "You go on ahead, and I'm gonna stand way back, so you can like yeah. do your magics real big." He's like, "Light this candle." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but just in case you get a little too crazy with it, I'm gonna go. Hide. I'm gonna back up. <laughs> So, obviously, he knows, well, not obviously, we find out later, he knows that the Adder has been tracking Feyre, mm-hmm. and so the Adder comes and does a big attack, and he protects, but later, like, right after that happens, Feyre is like, oh my god, you knew that he was trying to find me. Is that when she winnows for the first time? Mm-mm. It's not. Okay. That's later. But she gets really upset at Reese, and yeah, I think she like this is where she tackles him to the ground, and we get that oh. moment where like they're horizontal, and she's on top of him, yes. and she's like, "Don't you ever keep information from me like that again?" Basically, she's like, "That was a Tamlin. 
don't yeah. do it. And he was like, But he can't even listen to what she's saying because he's underneath her Mm -hmm. on the ground and he's happy. And this is where she realizes that he's quite big. He's a big person. Yes. He's a large man. And I think to her that's a big deal because she's not a teeny tiny girl. You know, that's that's talked about with all of Sarah J. Moss's characters. Mm. You know, she's tall. Amarin's teeny tiny. Amarin is teeny <laughs> tiny and so cute and a perfect little package, but, but also evil. And Aelin are not. Yes. And Nesta. I too. like that. I, I like that. that. I think those were the first books I read where the main girl was not like four foot eleven mm-hmm. and ninety pounds soaking wet and <laughs> believed herself to not be cute. Yes. Because that is such a trope in romance. It's like, I'm so small and I get picked on for being so tiny and people call me short and stuff. Like yeah, short and Sarah stuff. and Aylin are like, we're models and you will treat us as such. That's right. <laughs> Bow. <laughs> Bow. <laughs> well, um, they take the adder, like Asriel and Cassian take the adder to the Court of Nightmares and do a little torture and oh, yeah. they find out from him that the King of Highburn is on the move and they are going to try to invade Prithian. Um... And obviously he's after Feyre. Um, so then they return home, and but Azrael does his spy thing to try to reach the mortal queens. So yeah. they're back in the night court, but they're kind of waiting on the response for the from the mortal queens. And they also, you may have mentioned this and I may have missed it, but they know that the book, half of the book is in the summer court. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to... They're, they've written to them They've too, written to the summer court. Trying to get court. an invitation. Yeah. And so, uh, Feyre's like, you know, I probably should start training. Mm-hmm. I probably like should. Like physically. Yes. Mm-hmm. Physically train my body. You know, I, I probably should become an Illyrian, you know, <laughs> to be honest. And so she starts training in the mornings with Cassian and in the afternoons with mm-hmm. Reese. And I think she develops this beautiful routine. Mm -hmm. And it talks about during this time, she puts on muscle. Mm -hmm. She really starts honing her skills. Yeah, they practice with swords. um, And so she's getting, like, battle training, too. Yeah. But one of those times, and this is absolutely one of my favorite scenes in the whole book, is she's working with Cassian, which I said it in the last um, podcast about A Court of Thorn and Roses, one of my favorite dynamics in this whole book series is the Cassie and Feyre mm. friendship. That's just, it's just one of my favorites. So and, sweet. you know, they're, part of this is developed because they train together. And, you know, Feyre starts really letting in some of her darker thoughts during one of these training sessions. And she's, she's it's really hitting her... She killed two innocent people. Mm-hmm. You know, they did not fight back. They did not. And even though it was a circumstance that everyone understands, she is coming to terms with the fact that she has killed two young fairies. Mm-hmm. And the panic attack starts, you know, and all the powers start manifesting. And she's, like, hitting him, and they're punching. And she's, what are they called when you punch a hand? It's they're like, like padded. They're pads, yeah. Yeah. So, like, when boxers practice, the the practicing partners will have these pads on their hands and just hold them up yeah. for the person to punch. But she is having this meltdown, and her fists are, like, turning to fire. Mm-hmm. And he just stands there and takes it. She realizes that the pads are gone. Yeah. And she's just, he's still holding he's his hands still up there ready for that next hit. Because that's what she needs, and he's, mm-hmm. oh, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And then Reese 
realizes what's going on. And he and Azrael are over fighting shirtless yeah, somewhere else. The, That's mentioned. With the, with the, mm, the, the swords and the sweat and the glistening. Yes. The abs. Yes. And that, that is all described. You remember it. Don't judge us. Mm. <laughs> and Reese comes and like wraps her up. And, and his wings, because he's, he's fighting with his wings out. Yes. And he says, you know, he does not say, oh, it's fine. It's okay that you did this. It's none of that. It's mm-hmm. you're going to deal with this for the rest of your life. Yeah. And you're going to have to learn to deal with it. You're always going to remember. And then he's like, someday you'll be able to use it for good. So I love that he didn't say, like, you'll get over it. It'll be better. Um, he, he, bas- he just is really real with her. And he's yeah. like... You kind of get the sense that he remembers every person, too. Yes. Right. Yes. And later, it makes me think of the quote that Moore says to her later, and it's, don't don't let the hard days win. Yeah. This is kind of one of those moments, you know. It, it's a breakthrough moment for her, I feel like. Mm-hmm. She's realizing she's not the only person that is dealing with these traumatic things, and she will survive. And because she sees people that have dealt with this, like Reese, mm-hmm. and who's thriving and surviving, she can do that too. Yeah. And Cassian as well. I think yeah. all of them are beautiful pictures of really hurt people who are doing well. Yes. That they've grown and are now, you know, good people. Yes. Oh, I love that scene. That's such a special one to me with mm-hmm. everything going on. For sure. Where is it... Um, when, oh, never mind. What? We'll just go on. I forgot. I literally just lost my entire train of thought. <laughs> well, now they're invited to the summer court. Mm-hmm. They finally hear from the summer court. And I know for me, I was like, okay, I've seen the spring court. I've seen the night court. I'm ready for, I'm ready to see another court. Going to summer. Yes. Even though I hate summer, but the summer court That's seems not cool. not a fan. Yeah, it <laughs> seems, seems nice. It's, it's hard to get past the night court. Like, that's just everything I want in a place. Yeah. You know, you got the mm-hmm. the symphonies and the musicals and the artists and the mountains and... Snow-capped mountains. Snow-capped mountains. It's chilly. And the river and the climate's real mild. The but stars. chilly and I'm just... The and art the food. Oh, yeah. Art there's, district. There's, there's it's a, everything I want. Happening, yeah. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was really excited about summer. And summer sounds pretty cool. So it's Feyre, it's Reese, and it's Amran, and they go to meet the High Lord. Wait, wait, wait. But why couldn't anyone else go? I don't know. I thought about that too. It's because Cassian destroyed two buildings. Oh, yeah. That's like my favorite. Cassian's like, why can't I go? And Reese is like, you are literally banned because you <laughs> destroyed buildings last time we went. Okay? And he's okay. Like, what? No, that wasn't me. There's so many TikToks about that. I love it. I love it. Oh my god. So yeah, it's just the three of them. And they are going to see the High Lord Tarquin. And they talk about how Tarquin's relatively young. He's only like 80. And so... He's only 80. Yeah. And incredibly good looking. Yes. Farrah thinks to herself that he is a a good looking man. He's got like the long white hair and the brown skin. Like the blue eyes super fit you know and he's kind and they kind of build this little friendship because mm-hmm. her like reminder her quest is to find the book and she has to like find this one thing that belongs to Tarquin in this entire court of things that yeah. belongs to Tarquin 
I think so, she genuinely really likes Tarquin, though. She does. You know, she tells him at one point, and I, I love that line. She says, I think it would be really easy to love you. Mm-hmm. And even easier to be your friend. And even, oh, I forgot about that part. But it's just. So she kind of uh, feels bad. She's like, I'm yeah. slithering in his court, and I'm, like, doing this thing. But I like him. Like, he's yeah. super nice. Should I just ask him for the book? I really, yeah, I still that. feel like a lot of this could have been avoided. <laughs> If we'd have just asked Tarquin for the book, you yeah. know? She thinks that to herself, and I think there is a reason, but I can't remember. He probably wouldn't have given it to him. But then Reese is trying to get information out of Crisada, who's a princess, and so there's some jealousy that, like, Farrah keeps noticing how close he sits to her and, like, whispers yes. in her ear, and she's like, ugh. So one thing about this book is the way Sarah J. Moss writes, and if you've read this, you'll know, you feel everything Feyre feels, especially because it's in first person. Mm-hmm. You don't get this as much in the Throne of Glass series because it's not first person. Mm. But with the first person, you feel like you're getting her stream of consciousness. I remember reading this, and I was just ready to take Cressida out. I was like, I'm done. I'm about to come at her with all my fire and my oh, yeah. like she's body. Attracted to she oh, is yeah. all up on him. And I was, I was, I was like. I'm done. Like, I'm not watching this. And then I had to remember, I was the reader. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is not my world. Um, and we also get a tiny bit of hinting that Reese is noticing her in Tarquin, too. Like, it's obviously yes. not in his point of view, but there are hints to be like, he's eyeing them or, you know, I don't know. One morning, she doesn't even come to breakfast because she's so kind of angry at She Reese. thinks that they slept together. That's right. Okay, because they were on the boat. Yes. Um... Yeah, they were she's on the like, boat. I don't. I can't stand to see. And they them disappeared together. together. And, she and he like went to breakfast to tell her, "Hey, I didn't sleep with her." She thinks, oh, she drama. Thinks, I remember she thinks to herself, "Like I hope they go to her room, so I don't have to yeah. listen to it because his room is right next door to hers." Yeah, and he did. She's even. so upset about it, but she has a date with Tarquin later um, to like look around and stuff. So she just kind of spends the, the morning in her bathtub making water animals. Well, and Reese is like, Hey, Tarquin likes you. You've got to get the book. Mm-hmm. You can't d- get distracted, mm-hmm. but you've got to get the book. Do whatever you need to do. And he's, he's like, alluding. Yes. And she says, I won't, I won't use the word, but she, they're really, this is a hot moment, okay? Like, they're talking, and they're she, gets, she gets all up in his face, and she's like, what would you do if I slept with him for it? And he's like, you know, he's pained, you can tell on his face, and he's like, you do what you have to do, Vera. Ugh. But he's like, I don't want mm. you to sleep with him for it. I want you to sleep with me for it. <laughs> but anyway. And then the, this is when they talk about she, or he gets really jealous of her thinking that thought about Tarquin, about, like, mm-hmm. it would be really easy to love you. And he's like, well, it would be easy to love him um, mm-hmm. because he essentially, he's like, he doesn't have to look at the stars and dream like me and my inner yeah. court do. And we he has this, like, beautiful speech about all the people in the inner circle being, mm-hmm. like, dreamers and the underdogs. And this is when they it's have so that sweet. toast of, like, the really famous line. And Farrah says, to all those who look at the stars and dream, and he replies... To the stars, stars who listen and, and the, the dreams that are answered. Oh, I love it. Ugh. It's so good. Such a good quote and such a good, like, mantra for the the inner circle. Mm-hmm. It's really sweet. And also, going back to jealousy, another thing he gets really upset at 
is yes, it would you know Tarquin is in this position where everybody kind of loves him, but Feyre smiles at him. Oh yeah, for like the first time since Under the Mountain, she openly smiles at Tarquin, and it's at Tarquin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like for the first time she smiles, and it's at Tarquin instead of Reese. Does he say anything to her about that, oh, or is yeah, that he just says a, something? Yeah, he's like, like. He's like, you smiled at him. Mm. And, woo, that broke my heart. And then the next day, what broke my heart is the next day, she consciously gives another smile to him just to make him mad. Mm. She just rubs some dirt in it. You saucy lady. (laughs) Stop it. Okay, well, they're about to get the book, but I think we have to stop. Oh, is it time? We're already, yeah. Okay. We have to stop here. So much to talk about. We're still in the summer court, so we'll pick up there next time. But, um, okay. So, what are you inviting in lately? Hmm. I have to think about it. What are you inviting in? Well, I got a recommendation for this new app called Dailyo. And it's kind of like a bullet journal that people create for habit tracking. Yeah. But it's an app. And so, it's really quick because my problem with bullet journals is I'm not artistic and I definitely don't have like the time and effort and sustained attention to like draw those beautiful pages to like write the things you know yeah so this is just an app and you click through each day like what activities you actually did so like did you go to sleep early the night before did you drink water did you go on a walk today did you watch tv today did you read and so then the app can create statistics for you so you can look back at a week or a month and see like how many days you did those activities and like there also can be correlation between your mood because it asks about your mood too so you can see like oh well there is a big increase in good mood on the days that I like went for a walk and drank water you know so it's really I think I'm gonna do that I'm only on like the first week of it but it's a cool app and I'm I'm inviting that in for a bit more like motivation and structure to my self-care practices. That's really cool. I'm actually inviting my husband into my bookish world. I won't go into all the details of it, but I think um, in our few years of being married, this is a part of my life I've kept to myself. And not that it's anything inappropriate or anything, I just... You know, it was something I didn't think he would quite understand. Mm -hmm. And I have kind of invited him into it, and he has shown great interest. So I have been... He's so into it. Oh, he is. I've been, like, (laughs) reading him some of the books and showing him memes and things that I typically only send you. So Mm -hmm. it's been really cool to see how receptive he is and how he doesn't... I think I always thought he would, like, make fun of my... Yeah. Um, that's what we all think. Obsession. Like if I show him t-shirts with book quotes and stuff, I thought, oh, he's going to make fun of me. But he Mm. hasn't. He has been super supportive and it's been really fun to share that with him. So I'm kind of slowly but surely inviting him into my bookish realm. (laughs) What a lovely invitation. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So when it comes to resources, I don't have any today. Because we didn't get too deep into stuff. We really talked about plot mostly. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I think anytime, you know, any resources as far as, if you have any questions about abuse or, you know, am I in a toxic relationship? What are, are, are some of these red flags that Pharaoh was experiencing? Do any of these pop up in my own life? I think it's important just to 
have somebody you can talk to, whether that's a counselor or a trusted friend or a safe friend, like you were talking about in the last podcast, someone Mm -hmm. that you can um, break those boundaries down with and put Mm -hmm. up good boundaries too, but you can also put up too many boundaries and just have someone you can talk to and kind of, if nothing else, reflect back what you don't understand or what you're not seeing yourself. Yeah, because if if the friend is a really good friend, you know, they might actually point out those things that you may not be seeing, right? Yeah. Because there is a really kind way that you can do that for people. And so maybe ask for feedback if you're wondering about your relationship or, you know, even family relationships. Yeah. So you can be like, listen, is this normal? (laughs) Or like, was I weird to feel bad about this? Or, you know, basically just reach out. Toxic relationships within families is one of those things that is skimmed over and overlooked so much and can be just as, just as, you know, scarring, detrimental, traumatic as anything else. Well, even more so because, well, in my opinion, even more so because our childhoods are what makes us, at least originally, right? Yeah. Like, most people experience a ton of growth in, like, college-age years because, you are who you are at that age because of your childhood. Right. And you get to choose, like, am I going to keep being this person or do I want to change? So most of people's trauma when they're young people comes from your childhood. And a lot of times that has to do with parents or whoever your parental figure was or your environment or, you know, experiences and stuff. So um, for sure. Yeah. So that would be a, That's a good resource. Good point. Reach out. Okay. I think that's all for today. That's all. We'll see you next time to keep talking. Bye.